Hello, this is Marielle. I hope that everybody's having a beautiful Saturday night and getting the rest that you need. If not, thank goodness there's always Sunday. Tonight's topic is on not giving up. There has been many circumstances and situations in our lives that can trigger a very strong emotional response within us and can cause fleeting thoughts, or fleeting emotions of wanting to just throw in the towel, wanting to just, just give up, if for just a few seconds. I am definitely no exception to the rule. I remember one time in my life, well, actually more than one times, I'm, I'm being honest, more than one times I've had fleeting thoughts or fleeting emotions, but there's always, as soon as that thought it just happens to go away, an even stronger response of, I do not ever give up. I never give up. And thank goodness I pay attention to the latter. One of those examples, and I don't mind sharing, is this. As you all know, I am adopted into a family. When my parents adopted me, they were already in their mid-70s. Anyways, and my adopted parents had, of course, natural-born children of their own who were already married and who already had their own lives and actually even had some grandkids, as a matter of fact. Anyways, my adopted mom was the first one to pass away. When she passed away, it opened up the door for me and my dad to become close. Now, my parents were very abusive towards me as a child, as a teenager, even as a young adult. Nonetheless, I was able to forgive and just make the best of it. Anyways, within that 10-year time frame, I got very close to my dad. I would take care of him, take him on errands, cook for him. We'd both barbecue together. We'd both watch TV or sometimes we would just sit outside on a summer night eating popsicles or just, you know, just just talking about what we want to do in the yard and and just sometimes not saying anything at all. Just, you know, enjoying the moment, enjoying the summer breeze. Anyways, towards the end of his life, I was not aware. He had developed cancer. He was in the hospital and uh, the doctor basically told me and his children, well, he has advanced prostate cancer and he was only given six months to live, if any. When the doctors, <clears throat> when they said that, I just broke down and started crying, sobbing, really. Because I was thinking, I've never had a father at least he didn't act like one most of his life. And now that we're close, now you're being taken away from me? And it just, it broke me. But that's not the only time I've been broken. I've been broken into a mazillion pieces. I'll save that for next time. Anyways. So by that time, he was already um, bed-bound. He was very cognizant, very aware. He could eat, 
He could talk, he'd carry on conversation, but he wasn't able to walk anymore. Anyways, I lived in a dip. We originally lived in one city and I had to travel out of town to where he was located. Since his family was living in that town where he was hospitalized, they gave me rules, his children. They said, if you want to see dad, you have to be here at precisely 7 p.m. If you are late, 7.01, 7.02, you are not allowed to see him. We will lock the door and you can go on back home. And I explained to them, I said, well, I have a job. The job I, comes out at 5 and I live out of town. It's at least a two-hour drive. They told me, well, that's not our problem. That's yours. Just do what you have to do. So I said, fine. See, they never liked me. Ever. Ever. They were always trying to convince my parents to give me away because, you know, I'm adopted. And uh, I can still remember them trying to take me to the local orphanage and trying to convince me to stay there. It's really wild. But anyways, I did my best. I would leave work at 4.30 and try not to hit all the trailers and the traffic and just try to be there. And sometimes I would get there at exactly 7. When I was there at exactly 7, they would open the door. I couldn't be there 5 minutes. I couldn't be there at 6.58 at exactly 7 p.m. So I was stressed out. I would go on the few times that I was there at exactly 7, not a minute soon, not a minute later. They would open the door, reluctantly, of course. And my visit with my dad who was dying, by the way, was only 15 minutes, if any. I remember one time, I'll never forget, I walked in and I said, Daddy. And he just looked at me. And he just, he just started crying. And I started crying too. And I remember I reached out and I I was holding him. I was hugging him. Remember, he's bed bound. So his arms reach out to me and, you know, we just holding each other. And I remember his family, his children, they saw that. And what they did, they immediately <clears throat> stopped us from hugging each other. They literally took us apart. And then they literally kicked me out of the house. And they say, you want to see him again? Come the next, next week. And I would do that. And, and I would tell my dad, I love you, daddy. And he would say, I love you too. And he would call me on the phone and say, please get me out of here. And once I said, daddy, once I recognize, and once they realized that he was using the phone, because remember he had, he's very mobile from his waist up they would literally hang up the phone on me. One time I was late. I was there at a 7.01. They said, we're not going to let you in. You're late. I was there at 6.50. We're not going to let you in. We told you at 7. Long story short, it was like that for a few weeks because remember, the doctor didn't give him much of a lifetime to live. Anyways, and then the worst thing that they did was behind my back, they 
physically moved him. His daughter came in from California and uh, they relocated him in the middle of the night. They got the doctor's permission and everything to, to California. I live in another state. And all because they didn't want me to be with him. See, my dad was very close to me. I was the only one that was taking care of him. And he was not much of a father, but, you know, he's the only thing I had. And one night, I had a dream. This was already, they had already told me, before the dream, let me tell you this, they already told me that I couldn't see him. They basically... When I went to see him the last few times, which I wasn't able to, because they wouldn't let me, they kind of, well, they didn't kind of, they kicked me out of my dad's family. And they said, we don't want you here. You're not part of us. You're not blood. You're adopted, you know, and, and really insulted me in every very personal way too as well. And they kicked me out and they threatened law enforcement if I don't uh, stop going there. And I kept telling them, but that's my dad. That's my dad. You can't do that. And they were like, yes, we can. And stop calling him your dad. He is not your dad. Well, going back to what I was saying, after that, they moved him to California. We were separated by force. And I was in another state. And then late one night, I fell into a deep sleep because I was exhausted. And I had this weird dream. I saw, you know, the the hands of Christ, and it's weird. I saw the hands of Christ holding two huge English, I think they're called English roses. I mean, they're huge, pure white. And I said, whoa, that's a weird dream. And then I saw the same uh, Christ hands having two baby bald eagles. And then the baby bald eagles fly away. Yeah, this is a dream, of course. When I woke up the next day, I knew in my heart that he had already passed away. I knew that I knew that I knew. Sure enough, he did. I go back to my hometown, and uh, they left me a voice message, basically telling me, yeah, he'd passed away, the funeral was good, had military salute and everything. And I was... When that happened... I felt like someone literally took my very last breath. I wasn't able to hold him anymore. I wasn't able to tell him goodbye. I didn't have any closure. I got so I got into a deep depression. I got down to 82 pounds. And I'm not a tall person, I'm 5'3, you know. But even so, 82 pounds is not an appropriate weight, to say the least. I was crying. I loved them so dearly. And like I said earlier, the only thing, the only representation of a dad that I had in my lifetime was literally ripped away from me because of people's envy, because of people's jealousy, hatred, whatever the case may be. And I remember at that moment... I was driving, I went back to where I was staying at. <clears throat> and I was driving, I said, you know, that's, 
is life worth living? (laughs) The only thing that I had that meant something to me was gone, was taken away. And yet nothing happens to them. And yet here I am doing the best that I can. You know. And for what? At that moment, I wanted to give up. I just said, you know what? Screw this. It's not worth it. I might as well just cry myself to sleep and not eat anymore and not do anything. And just plain old die. I wanted to die. I didn't want to live anymore. You see, family, even though I never had any, family's everything to me. Sometimes I felt, you know, like, you know, like the, the greyhound dogs when they're put in the racing tracks and they have like this fake bunny attached to it and they're running and running and trying to catch the bunny, trying to catch the bunny, and and sometimes it just doesn't happen. I felt like that. But something inside of me said, wait a minute, you can't give up. You do not know what the future is like. You do not know what's going to happen in your future. You do not know what's around the corner. And then like a floodgate just opened up and said, no matter what they've done to me, no matter the such hatred they had to me, no matter their envy, no matter all this abuse, I am not going to let them determine my future. And slowly, it took me a while. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't like I jumped out of the bed and started jumping up and down. It took me a while. And now I can honestly tell you it was one of the best choices, obviously, that I made. Now, was I dealt with more harder things than that? Yeah, I would say so. But of course, experience has a lot to do now, more than anything. And if you're out there listening, and if you feel like giving up, I can honestly tell you, don't give up. You do not know what's around the corner. You do not know the people that you're going to meet. You do not know perhaps a relationship that you're going to have. You do not know the financial blessing that may be coming your way. You do not know. But I do know this, that nothing stays the same. Life is always happening. Your life is very important. The fact that you're listening to this, perhaps hopefully in some weird cosmic divine way I can encourage you to not give up I can encourage you to put a smile on your face I can encourage you to say you know what it does get better whether your husband left you whether you're going through a divorce whether you are financially destitute whether you are giving uh, a very serious health condition never ever give up on yourself never Think about what I said. I love you all with my heart. I bless every single one of you. I want you all to have a beautiful, wonderful Saturday night. Good night.